Hello, friends. This is Stacking Pennies. Long form. Denny came all the way down to the studio, so we didn't want to cut him off or break it up in two parts. We just gave you the whole episode uninterrupted right here on Stacking Pennies. All right, guys. We are in it with none other than Denny Hamlin. Thanks for joining us here right here on Stacking Pennies. Thanks. Thanks for coming. On a bit of a media tour this week. Any reason in particular? No, it's coincidence. Yeah, it was interesting. I, I, uh, I, I talked to Brett for a little bit. Dale Jr. has been pushing me to go on the DBC for a little bit, and then I talked to you, and of course this is a good opportunity for me to chat about racing. Well, you don't show your face very often in the media, besides at the racetrack, right? <laughs> yeah. So I feel like the fans are going to get a little treat here today. We both listened to uh, Ryan and I listened to Door Bumper Clear podcast was actually quite good. So I didn't want to cover the same questions. Right. I wanted to get into a lot of the whether it be f- future uh, trajectory of the sport twenty three eleven softball. What were your thoughts on Indy? Uh, I mean I don't know. I just I feel like we react as a sport. We we really do react. And and when you see. I remember when you look at like Jeff Gluck's polls, right? If you would have gone back three years ago, the the answers to most of the good races were all on the road courses. Oh, we love the road courses. We love the road courses. We hate intermediates. It's whatever. And now this year you look and it's like, I don't know, ex, you know, most of the bottom ones are road course races. And what's interesting because we've been selling that, hey, this car is better for road course racing which it is, you know? So it's just interesting that it's just the ebbs and flows of the sport of like, you know, what the people want and we try to give it to them. And the next thing you know, they don't like it. And it's just, we gotta, you know, we gotta just try to find the right balance. But if we go to that historic facility, man, it just seems like it needs to be a wine and cheese. Nice. Like it's not about the racing. I, I think that, um, you know, Brett actually brought that up was that like, it's, it's, the people come at 400,000 for the Indy 500. They come back for the same drivers and the same cars and they run a different course and it's it's you know a quarter of that or less. So it's more about the event than it is the actual racing and I wish sometimes we wouldn't be so critical of our sport for the actual racing because it is about the prestige of winning the Brickyard. It's not it's supposed to be a side-by-side battle to the finish you know right fastest man on the fastest it's 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 such a it's such a balance of like you got to have horsepower pit crew downforce strategy like it's just low drag it's just a mix of like teams bring their a games it doesn't matter whether you have this next gen car or whatever teams are going to bring their best to indy no there's a reason why if you won that race obviously jimmy johnson won it like four times and he won the championship but if you won that race you were a strong you know contender for the championship that year because it took a full team but right i think the big question is like I watched last night. It was on greatest races like ninety four, ninety six there with Ernie Irvin and Jeff Gordon going at it. But more importantly, the stands were full. Mm-hmm. So I think we're chasing to fill the grandstands yeah. there. And what does that look like? But also I think a lot of the the easy answer that people say is, "What's bringing the ORP?" Well, is our premier series? I thought I felt like when I first got in the Cup Series, one of the big things that you look forward to on just being on a cup team was that you got to go to Indy. Yeah. The Xfinity guys didn't get to That's go right. there. It was like exclusive yeah. and and it took a lot to get there. So like, is our top series, is it, I, I love short track I, racing. I, I still, is it, is it, has it such outgrown? A point. Such a great point because I think we have a spot in our schedule for the sweetheart racetracks, the Martinsvilles that like, you don't have to have grand suites and huge hospitalities. You know, it's, that's its own niche, right? But when you go to Indy, it is 
we're going the wrong way on the bricks. Like it just, we're going the wrong way. So it just feel like that it doesn't matter about the racing itself. The same amount of people have turned out for the road courses. It has the oval. That's, you know, the track confirms that. Um, I think the battle will be, you're going to have to put us on a different weekend, but I just don't know whether there's been a, a an agreement between the series and Roger to say, we're going to have a double header with Indy and Indy's obviously going to be on the road course, and we can't just change the track over. So they'd have to do something with the schedule to, to make us go back. So there's there's the track piece, but I also wanted to get into the competition piece a bit. You've started your career, what, what was your rookie season? 06. So you've seen the trend from 06 till 2022. At what point did you see a tangible shift in the respect that drivers shown each other? Oh, wow. Oh, man. Uh, five years ago, maybe, I think it probably changed about five years ago. I don't know what event or whatever, but it just, it's starting to be pretty crazy now. Like we're, we're just, I mean, I watched, you know, some of the replays of those restarts and, and the wreck that happened at third place starts at 20th. Yeah. And that's that guy driving in there with no regard for anything and just keeps going and keeps pushing until he causes something. Right. And that is what's so disturbing about it. How do you deter it? Well, we, I mean, you're on the same chat I am. Do you, do you, I mean, single file restarts is probably the answer. I don't know that that is what NASCAR wants. I mean, listen, when we were under green before the caution came, you had track cars all over the racetrack, you know, 10th place was 40 seconds back. So right. what is really the problem in putting them 10 car lengths back? You know, it's, I don't see that, that as a big deal. So, I mean, until we can act like adults, you know, they're going to have to do, you know, they don't have to do anything. They could just kind of watch us and laugh, but yeah. I don't know that we really want to be, um, you know, laughed at in that instance. And it's us, it's, you know, it's not the course's fault or anything like that. You know, it's either that move the start finish line down deeper into the one deeper in so you're not getting such a big run in there in a disparity of slow speed to fast speed so right. when you say single file restarts would you just be track dependent because like you're saying single file restarts just that indie or would you look at it because that's i remember when we went to double file restarts it definitely made it more they exciting changed the rules in the middle of the bristol dirt race yeah they single file restarts so it still I didn't help can, with I last lap can, chaos i think we could we could do <laughs> about anything that. we want oh, yeah yeah <laughs> i mean there's an old story of of uh bill france senior changing the rules in victory lane yeah. said says you have to have a shirt in victory lane he's like doesn't say anything about that grabs a pencil writes uh, a <laughs> must wear shirt in victory <laughs> lane and <laughs> there you go Man, he needs to revoke that rule. Yeah. <laughs> Corey, yeah, we Corey would have a heyday showing off all that chest hair, That'd you know? A yeah. lot of man meat underneath his shirt containing. <laughs> all right, that's enough about Indy because we can go down a rabbit hole that I don't want to get down to. But uh, you, you were nice enough to give me a ride up to Pocono when I needed it. And I asked you a question right before we got off because I think about this often. Um, and the question I framed to you was, does Denny Hamlin reach the potential – that he is currently as a race car driver, if he's in a middle to lower tier system when he gets to the Cup Series, middle to lower tier system. So in other words, so the, not so the, thought, the thought was sparked because I asked you shift points, so we get down to third gear, or whatever, and you pulled up yep. just one little bit you showed me, but there was a 19 different spreadsheets of driver information that you had. And I'm like, holy, shit, what is all this stuff? And we got off the plane and carried on. Yeah. But, um, 
I don't know. I mean, that's evolved, and I think it's a team by team basis. Um, ultimately, you have to have people employed that that compile all the information that you know drivers get it at the big teams. Certainly, um, that's just a matter when we talk on the TV about resources. That's what we're talking about. Resources is not just money; it's people, and and you got to have people to be able to put all that together. And some of that comes from your manufacturer. Some of it comes from in in house. Um, but I, I honestly feel pretty confident that like my career resurged uh you know in 2019 when we started to put more of an emphasis on give me more information because I'm just that that's what makes me tick I'm a very analytical person uh I dive into where I can be better as a driver in every aspect it's probably why you see me speeding on the pit road so much because I'm trying to make sure I'm doing my job to the best of my ability. Now, we can really argue about, you know, what are the times, you know, what are the important times that it really doesn't matter when you speed versus others? I mean, most, I, I thought I saw online I had like 27 penalties on pit road, and I'm thinking, no way, I didn't have, that. there's no way I had that many. Well, a lot of them come during, like, when I have a crash stop, yeah. I'll intentionally push you know, lights and things like that to find where my limits are for future information. Right. So to answer your question, though, I, I know I went a really long way around that circle, but no, I don't believe so. And I've said this on that Netflix stock that um, with, with Bubba and, and the team that I, I truly don't believe that I'm a top tier talent in our sport. I just think that I've been blessed with really good work at ethic that was instilled by my parents um, when, when I got a go-kart and a race car and, you know, they didn't hire people to go work on it and fix it. And he's like, this is not my hobby. This is your hobby. It's, mm -hmm. You go out there, you fix it, you work on it. Um, you change your old, whatever it might be, you know, the work ethic there. And then the work ethic to look at my peers and say, what can I do to be better as a driver? What can I take from Roy Hendrick or Eddie Johnson in the short track ranks to like, wow, I always, Eddie was one of those guys that was just amazing that he always used to just let people pass him for the first 50 laps and then the last 50, here he comes and he's got more tires than everybody else and just blows by him. I, I love that. So I emulated my driving style by doing that. So I just try to take little bits from information that I've saw and I'm, I've just really fed off of the information that I get. Now, you know, my team, Joe Gibbs Racing versus someone like Spire, they don't have the resources to get those people to look through the data to give you a quick answer of whatever. It's going to probably be on you to go have to right, figure it out. out. And I don't know whether you have enough hours in the day. Right. Right. So it's it certainly is is the new age type of racing that we're in now that, uh, I mean, you probably see it on the pit crew. I mean, there's no way you'll look at, you know, analytics and things five, even 10 years ago, like you do now, right? It's just another world. Yeah. You yeah. said you said it's a new age sport, <clears throat> and we were talking about on the way down here, and you had a pretty good way of, of framing the question of if you were a 12, 13-year-old yeah, so kid racing guy. a front-wheel driver, late model, doing all you can, how do you get to where you are as a Cup Series driver? Not because you can speak as a driver, but also now an owner of what you're looking for. It's for harder now than ever. Well, yeah. The world was if, a lot if, different when you did it too. Well, I was I, pff, so lucky. I mean, I, I came in here when um, FedEx, Coors Light, Interstate Batteries, Target, all these companies, there were open rides in the Cup Series and they were just reliant on the team to say, all right, who's our driver? Right. I mean, that's another world from where we're at 
today, right? Because I think there's just so many different sponsorship opportunities in other sports now. I, I think I saw in Sports Business Journal, there's 3,200 open sponsorship opportunities for a company to go and invest in sports as marketing. So it used to be that you know NASCAR and the Cup Series was was their avenue, and because they're just they didn't used to have patches on on NFL or NBA uniforms anymore. Now it's, you know MLS. Is, I over. mean they're selling their jerseys. So there's just so many different things. They're selling arena names. Um, there's just a lot of different avenues. So it's not that our sport has lost value in what the sponsors get. It's just so many more options now. Yeah. Well, how do you as an owner like how do you take that model and shift it to something that could work like you know we have the old nascar model and that that's worked but how do we shift it to something that can help grow a new team or help smaller teams get more sponsors like is there a way that we can do that uh you have to charge them less you have to yeah. charge sponsors less that's just kind of the only way that you're going to get more and more influx of new sponsors coming in uh but ultimately right now uh the reason that the top teams have to charge what they do is because they have so much legacy um you know payroll and things that they got to pay for that that's what the, the the net zero number is and so that's kind of what why it is the way it is but hopefully if this car you know like we hope you know brings the cost of, of competition down. You know, certainly I know Joe Gibbs Racing has, has you know, shrunk their staff, you know, you know considerably. Um, if that continues, then certainly that's a good thing from the team financial sport point. But it's is that a good thing that, you know, there are people that are potentially going to lose their jobs in that? But could that then open up other teams if the cost is yes. lower you have more teams that then yeah. those yeah. folks yeah. can find jobs yes because i mean it just depends on what kind of sponsor you're dealing with some of them deal with I, all i care about is how much my logo is on tv that's all i care about others say all i care about is i want to host i want to host hospitality at this race and and some care about it all and so they have to activate in other ways hey i want to make sure i have a tent out in the midway um there's just so many different avenues to it i think our sport at time is is very very complicated with what rights a sponsor really has when he goes and he sponsors a team well can i host out in the midway or does somebody have a conflicting sponsor and doesn't allow me to do it i think that that's something that we definitely could do better as an or as a sport is consolidating our rights to figure out when when you get into this sport and you sponsor nascar we want to make sure that you're getting your your value right and and would love to see if there was an opportunity for us to for nascar to go get sponsors and then they get a placement on everyone's car and everyone shares in that revenue so if there's a nine-year-old kid i'll bring it back to the original question and i love i like the direction that went down because the business model is what's prohibiting teams from finding young guys and developing them. right but if you're nine years old ten years old what steps do you take and position yourself i know it's situational and everybody's hand of cards different and how you play them. But if you had a eight-year-old kid right now, how do you turn them into be a cup driver? Mm. Well, there's also another part to that question because you're an owner that's going to hire one of these kids one day. Right. And when you were doing it, we all went to the tracks and saw a Gibbs development right. late model team. That's right? how I Jun got signed. So is it is it even worth developing people? Like I see it on – Obviously, you just did it where you, instead of developing somebody, you go and get the best young prospect. Right. And I see it on the pit crew side. Instead of taking five years to develop a pit crew, you just go buy the best guys. I mean, right. Brad did it, mm -hmm. right? And it's it's been done. 
how do you want to do it? Do you want to develop guys and keep them, or do you just want to go pay the money up front and get the best guys and win right now? So that's, uh, that's yeah, what's hard. How do you become that young guy? It depends guy on your time. short and long-term goals, I guess, right. right? But to answer your question, I don't know the proper answer to that because I I know what I want them to do, right? I want them to be able to – you hate to have to limit your talent pool based off of whether they have resources or their family has money. That is not the best way to to do this. But that's kind of how it is in the lower ranks right now. Um, but, you know, I think there's instances where you're starting to see, and I think you will see in the Cup Series, if we can get the model shifted slightly, I think that you'll see us start to invest in the young more and more because I think that uh, that's the best avenue because we're seeing it now that, that people are starting to get rides that aren't bringing money to the table. That's a good thing. That is a really good thing. Now, now I'm not putting all these pay-to-play drivers in a pool saying they all stink and they're no good because there are really good ones that you can't help it. They can't help it that they've, you know, their family has done well and, yeah. and their family believes in them and wants to back them. Right. My, parent, my parents did, but our level was late model racing. And right. There was nothing past that. We couldn't do anything more, but they sold out to get me to that opportunity. And then it, I had to have somebody else take me along and, and take me to the rest of the way. Um, I hope that we can get back there. And I do see, I'm starting to see signs of that starting to shift in our sport where the young talent that is proving themselves beyond results, you know, you can see talent beyond results um, is starting to get a shot. So I, I got a direction I was yeah. away from racing. I think kind of. So you, you kind of hinted at it of when your parents went all in and sold out to just continue to keep the boat floating right down the river. There's always watershed moments of like winning a race or this guy helping you out. Like when you were going to go to the racetrack that week and then you ended up winning the race. Like what is a watershed moment in your career that you can look back and like, that's the difference. That's it. That was the moment that for sure it came from Jim Dean, who was my late model car owner uh, back in the day. And, and well, we, I ran for my parents, you know, they, they spent their, they spent all their life savings on me, a new car from Townsend, Rick Townsend. And I I ran and probably won three races in the first year. Now I finally had a good car. And now I, I couldn't run top five in my, you know, the car I had before in late model. I just was kind of, I always qualified well. I could get speed out of the car, but then my car just wasn't good. And I'd fall straight back. Finally got a car. And then, you know, there's something about Jim Dean, that something that he saw in me, he overheard me saying that I was, this is my last race. I'm out and, uh, we're going to sell everything. My parents going to try to get some of their money back because we're in financial trouble. And he just approached me and said, you know, listen, you know, tell your parents, um, you know, to, to hang on. Why don't you drive for me this weekend? I drove for him and he had the best of best equipment. I went out there and dominated the race. And he says, all right, tell your parents, sell it all. And you're going to just drive for me next year. And that's one on one, 25 out of 35 races. Gibbs then calls and says, we want to buy your equipment for their new diversity team with Reggie White. They invited me and Mark McFarlane out to, you know, help test and find their young talents, which was the Eric Amarola's of the group that we identified as, as good drivers. And, you know, Mark McFarlane, you know, was is as equal or good as talent as I was. And, I think he was having a disagreement with his girlfriend that day and he was on the phone the whole time. And I jumped in the car, ran blistering fast laps. And they were like, 
we're going to sign you. Love that. Well, <laughs> I, and obviously, your career, similar to a lot of guys, has been on the national stage from the time you've been a rookie to where where it is now. But the I don't think the confidence and the mental aspect is where stacking pennies originates from just small victories to keep yourself motivated continue to try to get better each and every week that's where the motto comes from uh not necessarily money so i was curious to you because you don't seem very shy in confidence but that's also from an outside persona how do you when you're going through a lull when you go through a windless little drought or spout whatever that may be like what do you lean back on to try to just figure it out uh i don't know i mean i have those weeks this week i mean it was just absolutely horrible. I couldn't make a turn. And then I remember, oh, shit, I won the week before. Well, technically or untechnically, I'm not really sure, unofficially. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's just, you know, I, I have to realize, and, and I knew going into the weekend, like, we're struggling as a company on road courses, small victories, somewhere in the top 10. And, you know, I just, I get out there on the first couple laps and lose my mind and I'm all over the place and I know I'm at all over the place. And I'm just like, what I'm saying in the car, what are you doing? Like you're missing apexes, you're all over the place. And then it just all compounds and your day just gets worse and worse and worse. And I'm just thinking after this race, I'm like, you know, wow, that's top five most embarrassing races I've ever had. And I've had some doozies in my day, but in the end, I just know, I still know that I'm on top of my game is that, if 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 I know that our team is bringing a fast car, there's no question that I can be the best of our manufacturer and our team. And I know that I'm racing with really, really good talent with Kyle Busch and Martin Truex. And on most weeks, if we don't make mistakes, we're, we're the 11 team is usually on top. So that's what gives me the confidence, even on weeks like last week, that, you know, listen, we're, we're going to go to michigan and probably have a great shot to win right it's more important this year than ever because you can run 27th one week and be winning the next week or even in your case the yeah. coke 600 wasn't a great race for you guys no. right and you just plugged along and you find yourself in position that's what it's it's all across that's the what board. we don't do well as the 11 team we had a long meeting before the race started it's just like and chris is very objective when he talks about what are we capable of and he says you know we've been together for 120 120 something races 600 career starts by the way this pack past yeah week. thank you oh it's amazing it's a, a 600 cool. that's a big number i know and uh and he says you know and he objectively writes down every week what is our capability and we have been capable of winning 41 percent of our starts we should have 40 wins we've only won 17 times together in our 127 starts but 40 times we were absolutely legitimately capable of winning and we, over half the time, we stepped on ourselves in some way, shape, or form. But to Corey's point, to start the year, people were counting you out of the playoffs, right? <laughs> yeah, like, like yeah. truly, we're not that, that far away. I think Bob asked me now. if I was going to stay in the top thirty. Yeah, like that. Said, that's Bob, a... if I don't stay in top thirty, I'm not. My job is in serious danger. Well, <laughs> when I think it was like Atlanta, it was like fourth or fifth, fifth, sixth race of the year. I look over and I'm like, the twenty and the eleven behind me points. I'm like, oh shit, <laughs> yeah. like something sideways here. Obviously, though, your ticket is well punched to the playoffs. You talked about winning forty the possibility of winning forty one percent of the races you've entered. How do you win the last one? Oh, such a great question and, and I wish I had the answer. You know, we've been in the final four for three years in a row. The first year they put a big old giant piece of tape on my car. I was running Kyle down and Chris thought that this is gonna put us over the edge. They did some wind tunnel 
information. Couple laps like, too early. We were we were we were like, this is going to add X amount of downforce because you're a little tight anyway. You're going to f- fly by him and, and this blow is up be- at the start finish line. I mean, yeah. it was he. <laughs> it was placed in the wrong place on okay. the car. But, you know, it was big, and it was planned on being big, but it was only supposed to go on a certain section of the nose. So it's Jimmy's fault. Man, tape's still I'm not really sure. You just hired him to run your pickers, you I know. know. You blame it on him. I'm not sure. I I think, yeah, I think it was Chippy, actually. But, I mean, it's something they didn't practice, and so that's just that's part of it. But So the first one, we were running down Kyle. We put on a big piece of tape, and I, I essentially get blown up. I had to come back in. And then the year after that, we were beat before we got there. I mean, my mom uh, rode actually in a plane with Coy, and it's like, we have no shot. Like, our car is on the short tracks. We just, we're not fast enough. If you looked, uh, and this is when David uh, Smith had all of his analytics, like on the short tracks, we were, I think, ranked 12th or 13th, 13th fastest on short tracks that year. It was when we were great on intermediates, but just none of our teams were fast on short tracks. And so we showed up there and ran fourth right where i mean which is better than we ran all year long but it just we didn't have enough and then last year i mean damn um in a good spot again um i'm running down truex with 20 something laps to go and david star wrecks and (laughs) i i come in the pits and you know kyle larson kills kills it well it's nice about you because you said this last week we had a conversation and you this is why your racing IQ is a lot higher than most. You said, well, if we had a better pit stall and I qualified better, that wouldn't have happened. No doubt. Yeah, I think that it's the easy knee-jerk reaction and that did happen is that we'll never get beat by the fastest, not have the fastest pit crew again. It was like, well, if we worked on our car speed, we would qualify first. That's that's a free half a second yeah. at least. So, And we lost the lead off pit road by that much over the five. So, Does it wear on you hearing – hearing that i mean i don't think about it day to day it only i think about it when people bring it up it gets towards the ends of the season certainly i I certainly get extra motivated to hey let me prove you wrong but i mean i'm gonna be fine without it my life will not change i mean i talked to mark martin quite a bit you know uh here and there whenever i see him and and he's like you know it doesn't change my life one bit like it's it's fine think, and yeah and i and honestly too and and i don't want to douse any of our past champions over the last few years because they are all very worthy and they want it but it the champions crown differently than it used to it's it's a one race you just you got to win one race and right. so it's just it you know putting the whole season together now i think making the final four is is a show of you put together a really good season what happens in that final race is just you better have a fast Chance. car and 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 better have things go your way. What year was it you went to Homestead against the 48 in the old system? 2010. People forget like I don't it's so funny how quickly people forget about how good that 48 team was then and oh, how they strong executed, Jimmy was. Like they just would wait on you to make a mistake. They'd wear away at you. And just wear on you, right? And then back then, I just I I was faster than Jimmy. Yes. There's no question we were faster than him most weeks, but I mean, you just think about you have one hiccup, one bad week because it was a 10-week playoff uh, system where all 10 weeks counted in your points. We'd have one bad week, and he just kept chugging along, fifth, 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 and I'd first, tenth, first, fifteenth, 
and you're thinking, and you're like, oh, he's having a bad day. He's going to lap down. And then next thing you know, he gets his lap back, and he finishes right in her bumper. And it is was demoralizing. Mm. Like, I didn't gain on him like I should have. And then when we had him by the, you know, you know what's at, at Phoenix, and we ran out of gas, just, oh, that that one hurt me. And I just couldn't get over it for, for Homestead. And I, I remember locking myself in a hotel room saying, oh, I'm just going to concentrate. I'm going to do all my work. and I'm not going to go to dinner with anyone. I'm just going to focus on racing. And that was the absolute worst thing yeah. I possibly could have done. From that point on, I'm like, forget that. I'm going to, if I want to stay up to 1 a.m. night before, I don't care because that's what I do. Yeah. And so, and and I just think that I just took myself way too seriously that first time around. You're also going against a guy who's done it five times at the chance. No you question. Know, the five in a row. So yeah, I think people people miss that Gosh, fact about how good Jimmy. I know. Oh, man. I it's well, but, but like, dude, people forget that Jimmy Jones. Like that to me is. But like, how can you for, like? Nobody took him toe to toe. Here and now, right? It was it's like the crazy. first time in five years somebody had gone the homestead against him. So I think, yeah. like subconsciously, everybody was pulling for you at that time. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna go through his Hall of Fame induction, right? And Next year. and they're just gonna look at all the stats and be like, Holy whoa, man. how do like, we? He's how now do we just not a, just get on our knees and, and bow, to, bow the down to this guy? <laughs> and I'm like, damn it, how did, why, why did I have to race in this era? <laughs> exactly. Shoot. Yeah. How many championships would you have? <laughs> you know? A lot. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a, that's a whole other topic for another day. But do you think that – I'll shift gears a bit. Do you think your potential to leave a legacy as an owner is higher or hmm. different than a race car driver? Yeah, Probably. Probably because I, I mean, listen, we're talking about one of the greatest of all time and we're, and people just yeah forget all about it. I think the ownership certainly allows you to have a longer runway of relevance in the sport. Um, but I mean, I just, I never envisioned I'd be back in this position to be able to employ the people I do and, and build a race team from the ground up. I mean, it's, this is a truly ground up build that we're doing with this race team. And so I always knew I wanted to run a business again. I didn't know if it was going to be a trailer shop or, you know, a car Coffee dealership shop. or whatever it might be. But I, I quickly, you know, put the pieces of the puzzle together with Toyota and said that, you know, this is what I want to do. And you know, appreciate obviously being part healthy of that. financial investment on your end to make it happen. Why did I mean, it's a tremendous bet in the sport. Why did yes. you feel like you wanted to make it? Well, I just felt like the, the stars aligned for me uh, in particular. I know that. When LFR went out of business, that left a void at Joe Gibbs Racing's Alliance program. And Bubba Wallace was a free agent at the end of the year. He's with uh, Pro Sport, and uh, I'm with Pro Sport. And I knew that there was some sponsorship linked to that. Not only that, uh, I believe that Bubba was a, a talented driver that deserved a, a, a good shot in a good car. And so I wanted to give him that. And ultimately, we had to make sure we had put the funding together. You know, I listen, my. I have funds, but I don't have Michael Jordan funds, right? So, um, you know, we're we're in this deal together. It's it's one for you, one for me. And so, um, you know, as we continue to invest in this sport, like it's a, it's it's a risk for me. You know, I, it is a risk. It's it's a blip on the radar for him, but it's but it is. Uh, they didn't come in here to to lose money. Um, they ultimately you know, placed a bet that you know this thing would be is going to head back up in the right direction. I think it is great viewership this weekend at Indy road course. We saw over 3 million. So um, I think that it, it, it is paying off, you know, in the assets, you know, how can we get the, the year to year better and better shape? So we don't have these Kyle Bush situations 
that's that's what our long-term goal is to change. How involved is OMJ? He's not involved in the day-to-day. Curtis Polk is my my yeah. guy on that. Um, but he's he's we communicate every week. Sim- simply about he has a lot of questions because he's a, he's a race fan first. That's why he's in this sport. Is he's a fan of the sport. He believes in the sport. Um, he's a big fan of of Steve Phelps and and his vision for growing this sport. So I think that uh, he this he found a, a, the correct avenue, and I felt found the right partner. Yeah, no, I mean, kudos to you just for bringing my man in there. I mean, what a what a huge partner yeah. for yourself as well as the sport. So there's two new owners this year, and I think, you know, through the 2010s, this I feel like our sport is in a better spot than it's ever been. You've been part of it for 15, 16 yep. years now, and the, the ownership, everything got a little stale through the 2010s, and even the schedule. ownership did a little bit. Yeah. Ske- schedule, cars, and I think with you and Justin Marks coming in, it's it's been you see the way he he runs his team see the way you run your team it has definitely sparked the sport but like what do you accredit the success the track house to because i didn't see that coming yeah. was it like you said you're built from the ground up and he bought a turnkey operation with people yeah in place. i always i i tried to equate like you know although we came in at the same time we came in very differently and i i trust me i'm I wish at many, many days that I came in and did it like Justin Marks because he, he was very smart. And I always said that we, we both went into the grocery store and wanted to buy a pizza. And he he found the most perfect pizza for him on the, on the, in the frozen food section. And I thought, hey, I got a bright idea. I'll make one from scratch. And so I want to go. I'm still picking out the cheese and the pepperoni on mine. Like I'm that's yeah. how early I am in this process. He cooked his. And he's, he's eating, eating the red it, he's, lo- he's loving the way it tastes. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm so damn jealous because – he 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 did. He turned a good operation into a great operation, yes. and so uh, kudos to him and Ty and that whole team because they they've you know Ganassi was good, but he's really I mean they they didn't have the performance that that Trackhouse is getting out of that group, and they brought some new people in and and also took on some new guys. So I think that uh, some of the success can be attributed to uh, the way that Chevrolet yes. is sharing information. Uh, I think that they were actually in their building for uh, a bulk of the season. So certainly, you, you know, when you're in the building, you, you, you've got some inside information there. So I think that uh, uh, I think that they've just done a fabulous job. I, I certainly I, I respect Justin as, as much as I respect Joe Gibbs. Let's unbury some hatchets. Shall we? I got one question that I that okay. I want to ask. Based off of the building the pizza question, if you look ahead to twenty four, are you building another car? Are we going to a third car team, or is it? I mean, Kurt, he's getting older, but he's proven he can win. Bubba, young talent who's proven that he can win, and we, you've announced that Tyler Reddick, our guest coming up soon, yep. is going to be part of the team. Is that building a third team, or is it replacing a driver? I don't know. I mean, this is what we're talking about. I mean, this is what we used to do back in the old days. I just said, I'm going to get them and I'll figure out the details later. And I wish I knew what the details were. I, You know, would we love to expand? Absolutely. You know, I think that that's something that uh, we would like to do. Does it make financial sense to us before we know what the model looks like? Probably not. But who knows? Who knows where this deal goes? And I just know that I I wanted them and, and I just was going to do whatever it took to get them and yeah, that's the way it's supposed to be. What's the what's the just the thought and motive behind getting a guy like that early? Is it to keep him off the block of yeah. talking to other teams? Like, yeah, he was already work? on the block. He right. was already, you know, uh, you know, talking to other teams. And, right. You know, we were one of them, and and um, I knew in particular that 
the end of 2023 is going to be a big free agent market uh, with a lot of good seats open on big teams. And I do I want to go out and bid against Rick Hendrick and Joe Gibbs and all those guys? No. Yeah. Well, it's obvious now he's won races, but the the talk had to start when he was not winning races and maybe even losing them in in you know right. tough ways. So. I see him and Bubba a lot alike, like very good, very talented, struggle with confidence at times and sometimes struggle with mental strength. Yeah, I mean, that's something that I feel like Bubba's actually come a long way with in in just this year. I mean, certainly Nashville and he's had, listen, we've, if, if he, we've given him every excuse to, to throw us under the bus with with the issues that we've had, uh, but we we came out of Nashville with some tough conversations and said, you know, this is the way that, you know, we need you to kind of represent us. And he's gone on to be top ten, no, top five, top ten, top five. So he's uh, he's on a, he's on a good roll right now. But what do you tell? It Bubba ain't always going to be like that. What, what we got to get is like, well, when you have a bad race and we screw up again, or or you mess up in qualifying, like how can we still just we're good, everything's good. You know, we're we're on a positive trajectory, and his career and his performance is on a positive trajectory. When you're in those meetings, having those hard conversations, are you wearing a driver's hat, a friend hat, no, owner's hat? Just the owner. I mean, just I have to differentiate friendship in that instance. Um, you know, I have to get the respect from from my drivers, just simply because you know, it's this is I'm putting my livelihood on the line to give you an opportunity. And and so I, I need to make sure that I've got the respect of my drivers. For Are sure. you thinking, F- I should have started a trailer shop? <laughs> yeah. A lot yeah. less capital investment if I would have done For that, that or a coffee yeah. shop of some sort, <laughs> DH's roasts or something like that. Let's get into some un- unburying yeah. some hatchets. You talked about respect. That's something you always deal with to try to gain, try to give throughout the course of your career. Uh, you were talking about trying to not lose the respect of the garage when you have run-ins with different drivers. Obviously, Ross Chastain is a hot topic. Sorry we don't have some guy on a guitar writing lyrics for you like Gordon <laughs> Bubber Clearhead. Uh, Chuck can write, maybe Dog Ear can write you a song here yeah. later. But um, Pocono Turn 1 is what it is. I thought it was a very classy way of wrecking somebody, uh, in my point of view. You don't have to even answer the question. But that's a hatchet. Do I? Do you think that it's buried at the moment? I, I, I'm not sure. I, I really am not sure. I just, um, you'll, you'll kind of know when, when we race around each other again, I guess, um, it was certainly, you know, I, I think I, I heard, you know, Dale Jr. and his guy arguing about this and I, <laughs> I confirmed to Dale Jr. But he's the only that, that knows truly, but listen, at the end of the race, I'm, I'm looking and before the caution came out and I'm, I'm catching Ross while saving fuel. I'm catching him. And I mean, I, I certainly am thinking I am not going to let you win and I'm going to win. Mm. And so in the moment though, you know, I only had one objective and that was, I want to enter turn one side by side. That's if I can, cause just, you weren't the control car. I was not the control car. I, I just, I want to enter side by side. And so, um, my objective and, call it intentional, not intentional, was that I just wasn't going to give him one inch of space, not yeah. just not one. And so um, I knew whoever came out of turn two with the lead was probably going to win. Yeah. And uh, certainly uh, I-, I wanted to make sure that um, he 
knew and and the field knew that uh, you know I'd kind of reached my limit and I, I've got to get I have to get some of the respect back um and I, those are conversations I had with him I I said that you know listen it, it's not just you you know I'm mad at Bowman I'm mad at Briscoe I mean for two very legit reasons you know Bowman easily could have took us out of the final four you know by not just being aware with five laps to go at Martinsville like you know, it's just I know the win is important to you, but I've spent my whole season trying to get to the Final Four, and and I was out after I got crashed, and I had to get it back through that restart. And then you know the the Briscoe thing was that cost us the regular season championship, and I'm like, so that's twice, and then you get me twice. That's in the last ten months, yeah. I've I've had it, and I haven't done anything about it. Clearly, I'm not sending a message back to the field that. I, I can be just run over. I'm sending the message back that it's okay. And I'm just, I'm not, I'm just not going to be okay with it because, and I said, you know, not get too much into our conversation, but I said, listen, I'm not saying your way is wrong and my way is right. We got to figure out how to coexist Yeah, because we're, we're going to be in those racing situations quite a bit. And since the two times that he got me, we have been around each other a lot because I mean that's just we're both up front, and yeah. so we have to figure out how to coexist. And when after I had that conversation, Atlanta happens, I'm like, "You got to be kidding me! We just talked about this, you know." And so clearly, it just there there's just something that short circuited there that uh, you know led to you know ending my day. Speaking of Dale Jr., I think he said it best when he said it was you were getting him back with a scalpel instead of a hammer. Yeah. I, think that, you know, I think that was a good way to put it because you're like, you're crafty. You've been doing this a long time. You're not going to drive in there and run in the back of them and spin them out, but you might move them up a little bit. I've no. tried a few times. Yeah, yeah. but all of a sudden, you know, tried. you move them up a little bit and all of a sudden the fence is there. Yeah, yeah. sorry. But like, I don't I don't want to dig up some past stuff, but like you two had a bad run in because I remember it talking wasn't with him about, about it. Race cars. It was just on it was Twitter about, because it was about whoop straps because we're both wearing them right now. That's how it started. <laughs> yeah. Remember that? Yeah. yeah. You guys are. Yeah. Let, who, let's who put is? some context around it, shall we? So I screenshotted my whoop strap and it was a hot day. Average heart rate was, I don't know, 185 or something, right? And You're an animal. You can maintain that, by the way. Well, I, I was I mean, fatter back then. The crossfit. Oh, also, give me a break. The crossfit. Can't talk to me about fat, bud. <laughs> so, so I had, like, no no air conditioner, just a straight-up blower, 32 car. We were fairly low budget. We probably got the helmet blower from, like, you know, the used parts place, right? So I put it up there, and you subtweeted me something like, because I was playing in the basketball league. That's why you fall out the fourth quarter or something like that. Something like that, yeah. I took offense to that. <laughs> so we go back and forth, and I said something to the effect of, like, if I was driving your car, it wouldn't be so high. I don't think you took it as I intended. It was a miss. That's, mis- that's correct, in which we, which we talked about is that I hit a button with you, and then you hit a button with me. Yes. And – so I was talking that, about you. I bet you the interior cockpit of your car was less sure. than a nice, yeah. not like a nice insulated FedEx 11 car from Joe Gibbs Racing was probably not insulated as well as the 32 car from Go Fast, right? right? That's my point. He thought, then we started down a path of like, oh, you think you could do what right, I do in my right, car, right, which right. I never said that. Yeah. But next thing we know, him and I were about to fight each other out in his driveway because I was spitting my mouth off in the media and doing, saying that I shouldn't said, but... Uh, I guess we didn't really even talk about it too much. We just kind of let time heal that wound. But 
Uh, now we, you fly we just, on a plane we together. We just had one. I mean, we, yeah. we we talked it out. I think it was at Homestead, and and I think we. Yeah. Kinda, oh no, we we got we got yeah, pulled actually to the motorhome. I I understood. I left that motorhome in in Homestead, understanding that. Okay, clearly, I understand why you got triggered, and then yeah, he heard why I got triggered by what he said because me, I was I got triggered by. Oh wait a minute, you know. You yeah. think that I just, you know, right. anybody in my car could do what I'm, I do. Yeah. That, that belittles me in my, what, right. what I've worked for my yeah. whole life. Right. And so, uh, it just, it was a, you know, trigger, trigger, uh-huh. you know, it just went back and forth. You Why know? are race car drivers so sensitive? Oh gosh. I don't know. <laughs> At what point? So like, it's, I think it's a good thing that you and Ross have something. I thought it was a good thing when you and Joey, you know, it's, it's a good thing for the sport, but there's also a point where it becomes destructive and what, what point is that? Obviously, every situation is different. And at what point is it time for NASCAR to step in or stay out of it? Listen, they've been very vocal and said it's a self-policing sport. That that's that's uh, that pretty much tells us that it's on you to put it in your own hands. Now, what we saw with the nine at uh, Road America, and then what we saw with the forty-two truck and an IRP, that is not okay. Yeah, like not okay whatsoever. So, yeah, that that's just. Uh, that's a little disappointing to see drivers do that, but what what it self policing means is that you you go into turn one at Pocono and you just don't leave that guy any room and it works itself out. No doubt. Well, well was it different? I guess when we talked about respect earlier, but how was it different in the coach lot when you first started? Like how how uh, would that would that be self policing like? Terry Labonte come over and knock on your bus door. And you don't well, I think that I mean, Ricky as Rose. our sport, we went through a we went through phases, right? At the beginning, when I came in the sport, like you had to, it was a face to face interaction right out of the car, and drivers went at it. And the next thing you know, crews started getting involved in it. Five years later, and then all of a sudden, it was like, all right, everyone just needs to stay and then we'll, separated from everyone, and then we'll tweet at each other. Yeah, and then social media just took over as the big bully. Yeah. Well, your time is valuable, man. You spent a lot of time with us. But before you go, we I asked two questions, everybody. Number one, what's the most embarrassed you've been at the racetrack? Ooh, boy, I tell you, this weekend's a top fiver. But uh, yeah, but that's to you though. That's not to the onlooker. I'm talking like publicly, tail between your legs, wishing you hadn't done it. Uh, I mean, Homestead 2010, just tail between my legs because I, I Jimmy just. Uh, he got the best of me those last couple of weeks. Um, I mean, Martinsville, obviously with Chase, I, I would say that although not intentional, I look back on it and, and I'm like, man, I just wish I wouldn't have been so aggressive to try to I, – I felt like, holy crap, I, this is my way to get to the Final Four. You know, I, I'll be honest with you. That was in 2017. Would that be accepted in today's world? Yeah. Well, not to him. No. But, Nowadays. I mean – Nowadays, people just like, yeah, yeah, got to go do whatever it takes. Talking about the nine, yeah, he moved the two car out of the way before you got him. I'm well aware of that. I'm well aware of that. Everybody, but that doesn't. I I I don't feel bad for that. Some one bit on that whole situation. I said that from day one. I I agree with that. You reap what you sow. And so my perspective, I was right behind it. I saw it. And as drivers, you do see that, like, oh, you're well. Yeah. By the way, that's why Zane used up 
the four this week. Right. Because yeah. like, why? Well, I just watched you take that guy out. So both of them made a critical yeah. decision to pick the outside on a restart. So that's their own fault. Oh, short, right. track. short track. But, yeah. I, you know, we weren't having a great season in 2017. And I was like, I'm in the final eight. And I'm like, if I win this race, I can punch my ticket because I was not confident I was going to get there on points. And so I, I went in there and I'm like, I'm going to go in there and ride his bumper. And right in the middle, I'm going to I'm going to just shove him up. And he, I, I don't care. You can go back and look. He checked up early, and I got on him. I'm like, oh, shit, he's done. Yeah. And I and I spun him out, and that was one where it was just like, you know, this is yeah. forever gonna tarnish me with this, mm. you know, with this fa- fan 80% base. 80% of the fan base. Yeah, but you know, it doesn't matter. And and listen, I got my payback. He wrecked me the following week at at Phoenix, yeah. and I didn't make the final four when I was going to make it on points anyway. So. Um, it all squared up there, and we, we got in a better place being him. Last lighthearted question. If you had to pick one racetrack and one race car to race at, where are you going the rest of your life, like every weekend? I'm going to race at Darlington with the uh, 2006 car, 2007 car, 900 horsepower, little downforce just. I mean, can't touch the gas around that track. The old Twisted Sister car. Oh, yes. And there you have it. Denny Hamlin, thanks for your time, buddy. Thank you. This is Stacking Pennies with Denny Hamlin. All right, friends. Hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. As always, please like, rate, review, subscribe, all the things to keep this thing going. And I appreciate you guys tuning in to Stacking Pennies. Make sure you do not miss us this weekend at Michigan only on USA. Talk to you next week.